we are excited to welcome you to another episode of Live to Give More. We will discuss ways to have impact in our communities and around the world. We will introduce our audience to inspiring ideas and people who are making significant changes. Together, we will navigate how we can all better serve others and spread kindness. We decided to create this podcast in order to do our part and give our listeners ways to take action and be the change. My name is Anna Galamidi Ehrlich, and I'm a wife, mom, marketing and events professional who serves the nonprofit world in many capacities. I am better when I am able to improve the world. And my name is Elise Sheck Bonwit, and I am a wife, mom, attorney, author, and business owner who has been fortunate to serve in leadership roles and volunteer opportunities to several nonprofit organizations. My motto is give more than you take. We are friends who have a variety of experiences, skills, and opinions that will make you think, cry, and smile, but most importantly, expose you to special ways to give back. We will inform you about what is going on in the world and what you need to know about how to make a difference. So let's get started. Established in 1967, the Miami Foundation is the foundation for people who are passionate about Miami. The Miami Foundation is focused on building a stronger Miami forever. Over the last 50 years, the Miami Foundation has invested more than $400 million into our community and house more than $350 million in assets focused on strengthening Greater Miami. Thanks to them and their generosity, the foundation has awarded $350 million in grants. Today, they manage close to that much to address the community's needs now for a more resilient tomorrow. The Miami Foundation has worked hard to understand Greater Miami and what makes this unique community tick. The Miami Foundation also connects that passion with efforts to enhance quality of life for everyone who calls Miami home through civic leadership, community investment, and philanthropy. Miami Foundation, as many people know, also runs Give Miami Day every November, which is a huge, huge, huge success. We are very excited to interview our guest today, Rebecca Fishman Lipsy the president and CEO of the Miami Foundation. Since her appointment, she has mobilized philanthropists, businesses, and local leaders to invest in collaborative cross-sector efforts to respond to the impacts of COVID-19 pandemic and support the long-term recovery of our region. Already her work has helped unlock more than $15 million in recovery funds that will help restore health, opportunity, and a thriving society for all who call Miami-Dade County home. Prior to Miami Foundation, Rebecca was the founder and CEO of Radical Partners, a social impact accelerator that incubates organizations seeking to strengthen Miami. Before launching Radical Partners, Rebecca served as executive director of Teach for America in Miami-Dade. Rebecca is an alumnus of Miami Foundation's Fellows Program. She is also the 2017 recipient of the Foundation's Ruth Shack Leadership Award, which annually honors an individual age 40 or under who reflects steadfast ethics and unselfish service to Greater Miami. She was named Best Nonprofit Executive by the International Stevie Award for Women in Business, Best Role Model by Miami Today and 20 under 40 by the Miami Herald. She began her career as a teacher in Harlem, New York. She holds a master's from Bank Street College of Education and graduated as valedictorian 
of her University of Pennsylvania undergraduate class. Wow. What Before, an impressive resume, wow. Rebecca. <laughs> so really so impressed with everything you've done from we've been following you and the Miami Foundation for for years. And I know since you've started there, you've had a huge impact. Anyway, thank you for being with us today to talk about the Miami Foundation and everything you're doing and how our listeners can become more aware of what you do and how to take action. So first of all, what inspired you to work for the Miami Foundation? So first of all, it is great to be here with both of you. And I loved hearing the way you frame up the purpose of this podcast. So I imagine just like you, people who are listening in, it's people who about their community who want to give back or are looking for ways to give back. And I think I'm wired very similarly to you, which is that, you know, I have this one life that I get to live and I want it to be a life of purpose and meaning. And I care deeply about my community. And so I'm constantly looking for ways to get more involved, to learn more about my community's needs and to give. And I could not think of a better way to do that than in the space that I'm in right now. My job when I wake up in the morning is to think about what are the biggest needs facing the future of Miami and who are all of the people who are trying to contribute to that and how can I help them? So the nonprofits, all of them that are doing work across every issue area, what do they need? How can I help them? Who are the philanthropists that are trying to give and build a strategy? How can I help them? It's just, it's an amazing space to be in between seeing all of the change that people are trying to make and and helping them to do it better and more boldly together. Great. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about the mission and how many people you are currently serving through the programs and the projects of the Miami Foundation. Sure. So the Miami Foundation is basically the philanthropic bank for the future of our community. So build assets that all of the assets that we house are dedicated as a permanent resource to the future strength of our community. So those, you know, the $350 million assets that you referenced, that is money that our community has pooled and said, this money is sacred forever for strengthening our community. And our responsibility of the foundation is every every year to put it to work, both to invest it, to grow it, but also to determine what are those big issue areas and how do we impact them. And And each year we make tens of millions of dollars of donations to nonprofits, and we do things like you mentioned like give miami day where we think i mean give miami day has just blown up i can't i I see how it progresses every single year and it's it's really incredible what you've done with that thank you it's insane it's really beautiful to grow but i are aim, I guess, in that way is to wish for more wishes. How do we use this money that our community has designated for charity and grow it each year so that there's more to give for all the organizations? And so, you know, how many people are we serving? Our responsibility is all of Miami, every neighborhood, every issue area. And we have grant programs all year long. We're investing all year long. But our, our big wish the work is not just to be given dollars in a million different grants here and there, but really to bring people together around key issue areas. So like when the building collapsed in Surfside or when COVID hit our community, how do we get people to join together boldly and in a unified way that has a bigger impact? Right. Can you tell us a little bit? I'm so impressed. I, I know I've been on your website, so I've seen it. But tell me a little bit about your team of leaders that are working with you right now. And also a little bit about your leadership style and how do you continue to inspire the people who work for the foundation and the people who are involved? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, so these are two really big questions. So I would say on the team side, you know, there's paid team volunteer team. So on the paid side, we have 30 people who work together across, and you know, with people who are experts in a variety of different things. So people who work with funders, people who work with nonprofits, people who work with elected leaders, and uh, it's a team 
here that all day long, all they do is focus on strengthening Miami. And then we have a volunteer board and a volunteer community advisory group of people on the grassroots level from every neighborhood and every issue area who advise us. And then in each of the issue areas where we prioritize, we have hundreds of local who we view as our team who help us to to lead those initiatives. And so look, for example, one of the efforts that we really care about is internet for low-income youth in Miami. We saw during COVID. Yeah, it was a crisis. That's a, I mean, that's a huge problem. Yeah, huge, huge problem. You know, how do you solve that? You know, so we, we could make small donations to organizations separately to try to solve that or we could say you know what our whole community needs to stand together and solve this issue and so we have a large group of locals who and and businesses and funders who this is their charge right now and so i view them as our team and i guess there's paid staff but really it's about building mass mass support altogether as for my leadership style you know the best people to ask about that are my team members themselves i think like the true mark of leadership isn't how I come off and how I lead. It's how do the people who work with me lead? Like how many leaders do I build? And and how many people am I able to raise a great impact in the community? And so I guess that's my style is I feel like I'm a constantly a talent scout looking for people who seek to do good in the community, who want to be giving back more and more boldly and to help them to live out that vision for themselves. And that's amazing. I mean, not just to be a leader yourself, but to be, to allow other people to become leaders and inspire them. And, and that's, that's amazing. Absolutely. Can you give us some important rates and statistics that would be helpful to our audience so they can understand the enormity of, of what your foundation truly, truly expands to? So I'll give you a couple. I would say like there's some things to get the feel for like the size and scope on our end. This past year, I'll call every year to hear about what organizations are doing what in the community and what they need. We, we have relationships with 900, like this huge number, 900 organizations and leaders who all need funds to address the issues that, that they are, are looking to solve for. So education, equity, food insecurity, and mental health and wellness. And so there, we, we have a network of 900 change makers. And let's say, for example, I'm Give Miami So these, Day. these are change makers. These are nonprofits, including startups all through Miami-Dade County? Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. Across every issue area. And each year, one we do an all call to see what the need is in the community and what their big ideas are for Emmy. And last year they came to us with $20 million worth of requests. Wow. $20 million. Oh yeah. And so, you know, when people ask me what's the size of the need and this was in the middle pandemic and uh, there's a huge housing crisis and food insecurity and people needing access to, you know, masks and and hand sanitizer, especially nonprofit organizations that were doing direct service work. Uh, and these are hundreds of, and those are the organizations that have teams as well, hundreds of organizations in every pocket of our community that are doing really important work. And it's my job at our foundation to know all of them and to build great with all of them and to help them get the resources that they need. Wow. So that would lead us into the next question. With these 900 change makers, what are the biggest challenges and obstacles that you face as a community leader? I would say this past year, and I really hope 2022 is going to be different. There were just constant peaks of people, you know, stretching themselves and their teams and their dollars to to impact a level of need that was just sustained. You know, we've had in the past in Miami hurricanes, 
our emergencies where we needed to rally and where teams needed to step up and stretch. But what we haven't seen before is what happens when that kind of crisis lasts for multiple years. And so I think for many of nonprofit organizations in the community, they're just, they're fatigued. And so I would say like all peaks, no valleys, big issue. The second is, you know, it's, it's very hard prioritize amongst so many competing high issue areas. So housing affordability matters right now. We must run the That's a huge issue. Huge issue. Like, you know, you can't take your eye off the ball of any of those issues, but when you are diffused amongst so many big issues, people can feel like their head is spinning like there's just so many things where do I even get started Uh, and the last thing I'll say is I I observe a lot of what I'll call like disposable philanthropy like one-time giving community what we need more of is like permanent assets for organizations investing assets that are recurring so that organizations don't need to go back to the well and start from every single year Okay. No, that's great. That's great information. So there's so many community leaders that you work with. What current community leaders inspire you? Who do you admire the most? Oh my God. Long, long list of people that I inspire. That's good that there's a long list. The the people who I'm most fired up by right now are people who have lived experience with the problem that they're solving. So I'll give you an example. So there's a woman named uh, Jeannie who she she runs a program called showering love she has a bus that she drives around in south florida that she outfitted with showers and she brings it to the homeless amazing. and she that's amazing on her bus to get clean i mean what's so special about this so she was homeless for years lived under a bridge and she said you know people would give me food People would give me money, but I could never, I was disgusting. I could never get clean. No one wanted to make eye contact with me. How am I going to get a job or turn my life around if I smell? Mm. And she said, when I get on my feet again, I'm going to get a bus and I'm going to drive it around and I'm going to help my fellow people who are experiencing homelessness uh, to, to be clean and to get back on their feet. And so it's, it's people like her who I think really fire me up. And I see that across a, a wide number of issue areas of people who realize I experienced this issue and we can do better. And, and I'm going to do the change. That's amazing. I'd love to meet her one day. I mean, she's, that's an inspiring story. Thank you for sharing that. And what's been the biggest takeaway? I know you mentioned it a little bit in terms of COVID, the pandemic, what's the biggest takeaway for you from this pandemic? Yeah, I have two major takeaways. I'd say the first is that our social infrastructure is very vulnerable. We did not have the savings necessary and we weren't kind of ready for a long-term emergency. And so we need, when the sky is blue, we need to be preparing for that and not waiting for the emergency. So that's a big takeaway number one. Big takeaway number two is that I notice positive things happening in our community in a million paper cuts as opposed to like a strong unified response. I'll give you an example. At the beginning of COVID, we got calls from hundreds of organizations telling us, I can't get hand sanitizer. I can't find hand sanitizer. I need to buy some. Do you have access? And and we thought about like, donating them dollars so they could go buy it. But first of all, they couldn't get 
they needed and they couldn't get the quantities that they needed. But also the price for each organization was they were all getting ripped off because uh, they were buying in small quantities. Mm-hmm. And we then we called Ryder. It's like our largest logistic supplier in our industry. Like, how can we get not just a box of hand sanitizer, but like a truck of hand sanitizer for our community? Right. And when we bought at that volume, we got things for pennies on the dollar. And we were able to help hundreds of organizations. And it was in that moment I thought to myself, if we were better coordinated, if we were working together. Like in advance, yes. In advance, we can get better resources for cheaper for our community. And also then, you know, you know who needs what because you're talking to people. And it has just, it has completely revamped the way that I think about disaster planning for the future. We have a disaster, you know, we have a hurricane season every year. We should be masters at this. We should. Absolutely. <laughs> we should. Absolutely. All right, Rebecca. So tell me what's next. Any projects, goals? How do you ensure that your goals are bold enough? And how do you keep innovation alive in your organization? I know it's a lot. So just like, you know, take a second or two to, you know, and I'll, I can repeat other parts if you need. Yeah, these are big questions. So I will say there's a couple of bold things in mind that relate to the things we talked about before. I'm thinking about perm- resources for our community, recurring resources for our community so that we can build the assets we need every year and not need to start from scratch. I'm thinking a lot about collaboration and bringing people together. And I'm thinking a lot about what we just talked about, which is like getting, mobilizing people for disaster response and mobilizing dollars for disaster response uh, so that we're well organized. And I'll say like big takeaway as well from Surfside was for us to have what I like a revolving fund for me. So imagine with me, I mean, I know you all were, were tuned in and very engaged when the collapse happened in Surfside. It was a horrible tragedy. So to be sitting there across the table from people who did not have their prescription medications, did not have a change of underwear, and they need something, they need help right now. And then you get phone calls from businesses that are willing to donate. And they say, I'm going to send you a link. You just have to fill out the application. We're going to send you $100,000 to disseminate. Uh, the cash will arrive in six weeks, but we're good for it. And I'm sitting across the table from people who don't have underwear now. And what it made me realize in this moment is, you know, when you have like a hurricane, first of all, no one has the internet with which even to make these calls and fill out these applications. And we can't wait six weeks for the check here. We need to have mobilize we need to be mobilized already and have the revolving funds available so that we can spring to action immediately be well coordinated and, and be responsible and i feel like in a non-crisis moment this is a passion project for me this year get it together and be ready for what comes and so i have my eyes on that and i have my eyes on uh kind of growing the the permanent assets and bringing funders together who you all care about education or you all care about you Let's instead of giving all separately and competing with each other, let's join together and, and really look at the whole. So okay. I said, like, those are my big goals. As for like, how will I know and ensure my, my goals are big enough? They're never big enough. What I do find is that the bolder I go, the more outrageous the vision, the more likely I am to fund it. That's amazing. Wow. That's Keep being bold because uh, it's yeah. just, it, it's a, there's a lot to accomplish, but I have no doubt when you put out these bold, bold statements and these bold ideas, that they're going to come to fruition at some point. So it's amazing. Now, is there a motto? Because, I mean, you have so much going on. Is there a motto or quote that gets you through the day? You know, like- it's funny. So I, I do love inspirational statements and, and mottos that I have one. But the thing that is my anchor is gratitude. 
especially in tough moments, like finding the joy, finding the gratitude, I think for me is my anchor. So it's not quite a quote, but it is a mindset. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know what, there's so much gratitude to be found in the work that you're doing, you know, being able to see incredible happen and success stories able to be told, that's got to be where the gratitude kicks in and the passion and the adrenaline, you know, keeps us moving forward. So really that's incredible. So tell us, Leading into this, you know, being bold and and gratitude, tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you enjoy during the the little personal time? I'm sure, you you know, you try to squeeze in here or there. And what are your interesting hobbies? Or do you have hobbies? What's what's your story? Do you even have time for hobbies? (laughs) Little time, little time. The five minutes you have a week, what do you do? (laughs) So I like you both. And it was was great to hear you introduce yourselves and of the hats that you wear. So I have a mom hat that's very important for me. I have two kids who are hilarious on my toes and wake up every day before the sun rises ready to grab the universe by its horns. And so that's my number one hobby. I always say I'm a personal assistant to two children. I love that. I should say, start saying that also. Personal assistant. Yes, I am. <laughs> I put it at the bottom of my bio. My unpaid position. It's, it's an unpaid, very, very intense job, very thankless job, but it's it's really joyful for me. I would say, you know, that's how I measure my success in life. There'll be things I do in my career, and the real question is, are my kids nice people? So yes. I would say it's a big number judge. one is raising nice people. Number two, you know, my quiet space is playing on the piano, and so I get everyone to leave, and, and I sit down, and I music and I sing, you know, I can't say that I'm like unrageously talented, but it is for me, my happy place. That's great. That's good to know. And what would you say, because there are a lot of young listeners, what's your advice to your 21 year old self? Exercise. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's not what I was expecting, but it's very good advice. It's so true. But you know, if I could go back and, and give myself the advice, it is, I think at a young age, I thought excellence and success comes from how good you are. Just perform better and be more excellent. Like that's going to be the thing that opens the doors. And what I have discovered, that's not untrue, but the real door opener is relationships. And that yeah, we if keep I coming back to that. Anyone, that. That's a big theme in uh, many of our podcasts, relationships. Oh, really? And how important um, they are. People yeah. mention it all the time. So, you know, and it's so true. I think invest in your network, invest in your relationships and in your comfort building relationships. Like that's the stuff that has really mattered. You know what? That That's that's so true. I, I tell my kids all the time, relationships are the foundation for success. Take care of them, you know, enjoy them, develop them, nourish them. Because at the end of the day, it's the relationships that you build that are going to be with you, carry you and and open so many doors, not just for yourself, but for others because of them. So it's very true. I hope they're listening. I'll just say it every day. I'll start sticking it on the fridge. Anyways, so we talked about your advice, your hobbies. So tell us about the volunteer opportunities and the possible action steps that we can all take to move your cause forward. So on the volunteer side, I would say my lens is seeing 900 organizations in town who need support. And they need, I think the the first layer of support they need is really good board members. And so if you're listening in and you're passionate about the community, 
make sure you're sitting on a board. Pick an organization that you believe in mm-hmm. that can use your time, your talent, and your resources and your connections and volunteer your time with them. I'd say that's the greatest service you could do. And if every person in our community did that, our organizations would be so much healthier and stronger. Uh, on my end, if you were looking to help our mission, like the things on my mind, I'm thinking a lot about our community grants program. We do an all call for hundreds of organizations to see what they need. And we usually invest by ourselves. That's money from our endowment. And this year, for the first time ever, I really want that to be a moment where people in the community stand together and listen to what these hundreds of organizers are saying they need and co-invest with us. And so if you care about education or the arts or housing or the environment, health, we're going to be investing in each of those category areas. And I don't want to invest alone. I want people who will co-invest with us, pick these best opportunities for changing the community with us and help make bigger, bolder grants to the community. And so if you're interested, give me a shout because I don't want to do it alone this year. Okay, that's good to know. And we're going to let our audiences know like how they can do that. If people want to get more involved and learn more about your organization, they can reach out to you but they can also contact your website, which is www.miamifoundation.org. So we started this podcast to encourage all of you, all of our listeners to join us in just giving more, giving back to the community. We want to live to give more. That's the name of this podcast. And so we, we had a great speaker today. Rebecca, thank you so much for being us. There's different ways you can do. You can raise funds. You can participate in Give Miami Day. Check out the website that we just discussed. Recruit, be on a board. You're talking about being on a board on one of the many, many nonprofits in Miami-Dade County. Bring people with you. So if you're going to volunteer, bring friends and family. It's something that I've done in the past, and I urge you to do that. Don't just volunteer. Bring people along with you. There are a variety of volunteer opportunities. Check out this website. I checked it out. There's so much information there. It really is a great website, by the way, Rebecca. So much information there. And I think everyone should go on it. Just to learn about Miami, the mission, all the different organizations you're helping, really like kudos to you and your team. It's amazing. Again, that's www.miamifoundation.org. And everyone should pick at least one thing that you can do this week and tell us a little bit about it on our Instagram account, which is live to give more, live the number to give more. This has been a super insightful, inspirational, educational, and helpful conversation. Rebecca, we are Grateful for your time today in teaching us so much more about the Miami Foundation and all the good that you do. You yourself are inspiring. Very inspiring. I mean, Rebecca, you I'm do, just overwhelmed you do a by lot. everything you do. Really, You do a lot. And you know what? It's people like you who truly do move the, the world forward, as well as that woman with showering, you know, showering with love bus. I mean, that just stuck to me. And you know what? If everybody, I mean, look where I'm sure, you know, she was down and out. And what she did to turn her life around is not just a 180, but the immense force she had to do. The Miami Foundation, you know, funds programs like this, I'm sure, and so many more that need the attention to detail that everybody's life could be so much better with. We are thankful for your time today, for your commitment to the Miami Foundation, the people of Miami, and we wish you the best of luck moving forward. We are here for you. We hope that we can connect yeah. again and, and do our best to move this forward with you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. And if there's anything else we can do to help you, just let us know. Absolutely. Um, and we're happy to spread the word to our audience. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're amazing. Keep doing everything you're doing. Honestly, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you.